0: Well, hello.
1: Hello there.
0: And welcome to episode three of the Carrier's Edge podcast. My name is Mark Morrell. I'm co-founder of Carrier's Edge.
1: And I'm Jane Dezrowi. I'm the other one.
0: I kind of feel like we're doing a Wayne's World thing every time we do that. Party <laughs> on, Wayne.
1: Party on, Garth.
0: Yeah. Wait, I want to be Wayne. I don't you want to it be Garth.
1: You. You're the one who assigned the roles right there.
0: But I'm the dumber as well, so. Garth Who's was the, a, Is Garth the drummer? Garth was the Dumber. Oh, okay, yeah. so. So, uh we, I
1: look more like Mike Myers than than you do.
0: I don't think either of us looks like <laughs> Dana Carvey, <laughs> thankfully. Uh okay, so on today's episode, exciting topics. Um we've got some best fleets things to talk about. We've got some
1: shows. Up,
0: some show updates, we've got some course updates and things to talk about. Or more about the tedious process of course updates. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, it would be so
1: entertaining to talk <laughs> to you about the tediousness of my job.
0: Yes. Well, we can share that tediousness yeah, and then the it will tedium, be less...
1: The tedium can be shared.
0: Yes. It will be a continuum of tedium for everybody.
1: Ah. So, but first...
0: Oh, yes. But yes, first, exercising.
1: First yes. <laughs> James just okay.
0: made us do exercises.
1: I made Mark do a plank. Because apparently, if you are sitting at a desk all day, you are basically your back is getting all scrunched and it will eventually, you know, it's bad for you to sit at a desk all day or to sit in a driver's seat all day. So one of the things that you see on Facebook as you go through your, you know, the variety of videos that people are always sending is exercises that you can do. And one of them is in the middle of your day, if you just do a plank for a minute, that actually gives you a good exercise break. So I made Mark do it. Because I don't know we if that was finished. a minute.
0: We just finished doing another recording, uh, another webinar. and uh, On the best as a, fleets. Yeah, as a break, um, we decided to have an exercise break because uh, Jane is like super fit and all into all this exercise stuff.
1: <laughs> I'm not super fit.
0: So she had to demonstrate how strong she is by doing planks and uh, you know, putting me to shame on these.
1: The particular exercise that I do, the exercise program that I always do, they're all over the planks. So it's basically you get down, you put your body into a plank. So you lean on your elbows and on your toes, so your body is a plank and you just sit there. And then you can do other stuff that's, you know... Interest like raising your feet and moving your arms and stuff like that. But apparently just sitting in a plank is really good for your core strength. So everybody has to stop what they're doing and get down into a plank position.
0: You can listen to a podcast while you're planking.
1: That's true. You can actually. That is a good idea. So do
0: All all of you should do a plank for the duration of this podcast.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) You don't want to do it for the duration. You have killer core. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I could do it for more than... I think I can do it for a minute with very, you know, that's not too bad. Two would probably, I would probably start shaking. I'd be like you. Yeah, Mark was shaking.
0: That's rough. It's hard work. Yeah. So
1: we're all sweaty. We're coming to you sweaty from the basement of Markland Security, Markland Studios.
0: Yes. Fantastic. Uh, Okay. So in terms of the actual work stuff that we're going to talk about, um...
1: I'm all about taking the breaks. Yes, because so, I was doing TDG. I'm still on the transportation of dangerous goods,
0: and we'll get to that we, in a, in all due time. We okay. will get to a fantastically exciting update on that. Okay. The first, even more exciting, is what's going on with the best fleets to drive for program, because we've got lots of stuff happening. Oh with my that. god!
1: Yeah, we have now surpassed our number of nominees. It's a record now.
0: Yes. As of today, we have uh, 132 fleets nominated and we still have, Should we stop encouraging
1: people to A week and a half
0: to go. Yes. We should definitely stop (laughs) encouraging people.
1: No. Uh, I think the the more that we get, the better.
0: And and I think probably by the time, well, this goes out, we'll have a a week or so. We'll still have over a week left in nominations. Um, But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting to be scary. We're at, uh, as of today, 132 nominated fleets. And uh, earlier this afternoon, we did what is becoming an annual tradition of our webinar to help people understand the questionnaire. So for anyone who hasn't participated in the Best Fleets program before, uh, it is a little bit of a terrifying experience for people in the beginning because after they get nominated, uh, they log in to the system um, and they are presented with their sort of different phases of the things that they have to complete seven different like but they've got this questionnaire that they have to go through that's got like a hundred and five questions on it, and it's like every different part of the company we're asking about, so we really give them the latex glove treatment in that questionnaire <laughs> so because it's a little bit unnerving for people the first time, uh, we started doing a, a webinar to kind of walk them through it and explain what we're looking for and what we don't want to see and things like that because. Sometimes people will just provide one word answers, which provide us absolutely no information. Sometimes they will write this lovely flowing prose about all of the things they believe in and all the things they're committed to that also tells us nothing about what they're actually doing for their companies, for their drivers. So we started doing this webinar to sort of go through it and say, okay, here's what we need. Don't worry about writing sentences. Bullet points are fine, but focus on what's actually happening in the company. Um, and then we clarify some of the questions that people always seem to be, um, uh, stuck with, um, you know, there's some things that the people always seem to either misunderstand or no matter how we reword it, they're not quite sure what they're supposed to be doing. So we try and clarify that as well.
1: Well, I think that we also sort of start the interviews and realize that people didn't get the question or we didn't ask the question. So sometimes when we want to find out how things are working, we've never said how. We, all we've done is given them a yes or no answer, or a an yes or no question, and they've said yes or no, and you realize, oh, that's not all we wanted to know. So you spend the interview trying to catch up on all the things that you forgot to put in the questionnaire. And then, so then at the end of every every best fleets year we tend to go through and sort of talk about what the problems were and what we want to do better and part of that is is doing questions i think that we've really clarified a lot of a lot of good things like i I think that we've had a couple of questions that were just duds and that we did get the information but it wasn't easy to get the information mostly because we didn't ask the right question Mm -hmm. so the art of question asking is so underrated you know (laughs) you know people don't realize how difficult it is to actually frame a question so that you get what you're looking for so when you're writing tests and i write a whole whack of tests you know what am i asking for like what do i want people to know like what am i testing and you know how do i want to word this and is oh it's just it's really hard after a while you're your brain is a little mushy.
0: Well, and it needs to be an iterative process as well, because you have something that you think captures what you want, you put it out into the field, yep. and then you look at the data that comes back and see that there are opportunities to clarify it or reword Opportunities,
1: it. yes. Yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't a fail, it's an opportunity. <laughs>
0: well, we've done that with Best Fleets, because when we started this thing you know, eight and a half years ago, whatever it was we put out the first version of the questions and every year we look at the data that comes in and we realize, okay, some of these things can be reworded. Some of these questions really need to be clarified or we need to add additional follow-up questions on there. So if we say, do you do X? Well, we need to say on top of that, if so, tell us what you're doing because then people are not just going to say a yes or no. Um, so uh, we are refining it. We are getting more and more precise questions because of the way the industry is shifting and because of the type of data that we're getting. We don't want just generic data anymore. We've got so much of that. We want to drill down in very specific areas. So,
1: Yeah, like the um, the turnover question, the retention thing, like, you know, why do people leave? Yeah. So now we don't want just want a number about who left. We want to know why they left. Mm-hmm. Um, was it voluntary, involuntary, medical, and even in the webinar today, we had a question about that. It was clarifying it even more.
0: Yeah, and for independent contractors. What if it's mechanical? What if there's a separation as a result of mechanical issues? Um, I would say that that's. To me, that's involuntary.
1: Volu- oh, I was going to say voluntary.
0: Well, if you've got a truck and your truck is a piece of crap and you don't want to fix it, I mean, you have to know what the mechanical fitness standards are. And we ask that. What vehicle fitness standards does the company have? Well, if you don't meet those standards, you're gone. That's not you deciding to quit because you got a better job uh, or you've got a better contract elsewhere. That's you you deciding you want to have crappy equipment.
1: I was actually thinking of it in slightly different terms is that if your truck has some defect that you don't want to fix, like, you know, I don't know, something blows on it, like not a tire, but something in the engine blows in it, And then you don't want to get that fixed. Like you basically just want to, you know, get out. Is that, that would be voluntary, but that's not what you're talking about. So I was sort of, well, I suppose it could be
0: one or the other. I mean, it could be that the, uh, you choosing not to fix it is, um.
1: That's a voluntary exit because you're not working there anymore.
0: Well, also, it's sort of a convenient excuse you know, I want out, uh, and well, you know, I can't fix this thing, so I guess I I'm gonna have pour to go. sugar
1: in the gas tank, <laughs> so I don't have to work here anymore. There is a good company. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But see, very useful information for yeah. us when we're evaluating the quality of the fleet and the things that they're doing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that webinar was. Uh, but you know what's really interesting, interesting about that
1: webinar is you said that it really is designed for new people, like companies mm-hmm. that haven't been in the program before, but all the people who were there were people who were in the program last year.
0: Yeah, like half of the people that were attendees had been in the program for several years. So I'm kind of feeling a bit silly. And uh, maybe they already know all of this, but I think they kind of come in there to make sure they uh, have got you know, what they need, they're learning, uh, what's going on and it, it just helps them. So,
1: well, I think also if you're trying to figure it out during the interview, so you've done the, you've gone through the process, you've done the, you've done the questionnaire, you think it's all okay. Then you go for the interview and then we ask you all kinds of questions that you never, you know, the answers to which you never thought of, you may think by the end of it is like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure I did this right. So maybe it is really more a year two kind of thing because year one is just like, okay, let's try this. And year two is like, oh, can I do this better? So that might be why people... And
0: I think there's definitely people in here that had been in the program before, but not made the top 20. And so I think there's some of them that think, oh, we didn't answer the questionnaire the right way. And if we had, we would have made it or something like that. So... I can see them coming in there and uh, um, trying to understand more of what we're getting, what we're looking for so that they can provide better answers and, um, you know, give us a more complete picture of what they're doing. And so there's certainly value in that if, and it's open to anybody in the program. So anybody can come, even if you've been on the top 20 list for five or six years in a row, you're certainly welcome to participate.
1: You just can't get enough of listening to us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I guess there are those people that miss us. (laughs)
1: I don't think so. Well, maybe, I don't know. If you're getting an award from us, then you probably like us.
0: Uh, well, you'll like us at least for a day or two. <laughs>
1: well, For that day, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, an interesting webinar. Uh, it was good for us as well, going through it, and uh, it's always good to clarify that and get feedback from people on things that they're unsure of or you know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, one of the things that w- did kind of come up in there that uh, it's kind of uh, – sort of a subject on his own is this one of the questions that we have talks about how the company does meetings. Um, And it's actually something that I wrote a LinkedIn article about uh, a month or so ago. And that is, we're looking at how companies do meetings. And last year we really found a lot of companies are doing things that they're calling meetings that really aren't. Um, So they get confused between meetings and training and really just information.
1: I don't know if it's confusion so much as it started as a meeting, but it's not a meeting anymore. But we're still going to call it a meeting because that's what we've always called it. I find that in companies where things have been happening for a really long time, you just don't even change the name. So people think of a meeting and it's really just sending stuff over the satellite. But it used to be a meeting. Yeah, they don't realize
0: how much it's morphed over time. So, yeah, so and in particular here, what we're talking about is Uh, We have a question that says, how does the company structure and deliver meetings? And we had a lot of companies last year, and I've seen a couple already uh, in the data this year, that have said, okay, well, we do a monthly meeting over the satellite. Well, okay, you know, you're not really doing a meeting over a satellite. Well, the
1: the first time I saw that answer, I thought, oh. That's kind of cool. Like, what? How are they yeah. doing that? I'm thinking, do you have You're webex over some the sort of satellite? Doing, yeah, like, live thing? Yeah, but it's not interactive at all. It's really no. just delivering what, so what, really documents. So, really, what they're doing is
0: they're taking a PowerPoint or something and they're just putting it uh, up on a website and distributing it through the satellite to their drivers.
1: But it's um, not a meeting,
0: and that's not really a meeting. It's something that started as a meeting. They used to do it as a live thing. They used to do it as a uh, an in person meeting. And then sort of what they started doing is having the in-person meeting and then afterwards taking the information and posting it for people who couldn't be there or people who want to review it or whatever. Um, and then it's kind of got to the point where they don't really do much of the live meeting at all anymore. They just create these documents, post them on their uh, intranet site and then, or use the, uh, the media manager stuff in their satellite to ship that document out to everybody in the fleet. And they're calling that a meeting. Well, that's not mm, a meeting. Not so much. It's not a meeting. Really, what it is, is, is it's not a lot different than just sending a group email to everybody. Yeah. You know, if you just have a couple of bullet points and you send a mass email to everyone in the company, well, that's basically what they're doing. So it's not really a meeting. No, um, a meeting
1: is when you are physically talking well, to when another there's, person. There, well, there's
0: a. It can be a virtual meeting where you're, you're still where a chat, a group chat. Um, I don't
1: think anybody does typing as a meeting.
0: Well, not in trucking. No, you but really? Have
1: you, ever, have you ever had yeah, a meeting I've seen people where people do just group chat typed. and
0: stuff, sort of ongoing things? So I think the key point in a, in a meeting, what differentiates a meeting from something else, is the opportunity for multi part communication. Um, in a typical meeting, you have at least two parties that can both contribute, can both share ideas. And so whether it's an in person or a virtual meeting through WebEx, or even a group chat kind of thing, it really is an opportunity for a lot of people to collaborate versus this sort of quote-unquote meeting that is really just an email blast is really just a one-way thing. You create some slides, you create some documents, and you send them out to the drivers, and then that's it. Well, it's not a meeting because drivers don't have a chance to discuss it. There isn't follow-up. It's really just here's a document, and then the company checks whether people have read it or not.
1: So the meeting really... Is all about the interaction.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key part. And when we're asking that question about how does a company structure meetings, we want to find out how do they get together as a group and discuss, decide, deal with things, all of that sort of thing. So, And I
1: think that it's kind of good because driver meetings used to be training. Like they would grab all, like... I would say well, they were all, they were six years ago it was sticking
0: them all together they, they call yeah. it training but it's really a meeting or it's really just somebody standing up there
1: yeah you if know, you have a, a person who does who stands up in front of a group and does a lecture that's training like it's not yeah. great training but it's training so people call that like I think the trucking industry called that a meeting forever and it's not a meeting it's, it's training. So if you bring in all your drivers and then tell them about the new hours of service or new cargo securement regulations or, or something like that, that's not a meeting either. It's, you know, you have one person disseminating information. So if you're doing that over a satellite, then you're still just doing, well, that's not even training. That's just giving out information. So you have to have that ability to have the drivers actually talk back to you or, be engaged in that process and that two way process rather than a one way.
0: So how would you differentiate then what's a, um, what's the difference between a meeting and training?
1: If you are, if you are giving people information that is new, it's a change, then it's, you know, something where they have to change their behavior. So if you have to follow a new regulation or if you have to follow a new, um, process in the company then that's training because you're telling people how to do something how to change your behavior if you are um just like even if you uh, but it, okay so um talking about a meeting if you are giving people information but that doesn't need to make them change their behavior then it's a meeting where people can ask questions and. Do, and i know you can do that in training But training is really about changing behavior. So if you're not trying to change behavior, you're really having a meeting. And if you're not having, if you're not allowing for people to engage in a two-way communication, then that's just dissemination of information.
0: So wouldn't it be more accurate than to say that um, a meeting, a more effective meeting, it really morphs from training into a meeting when people have an opportunity to collaborate? Um, if, if in a true meeting, a bunch of people are getting together and they may be a general agenda or a theme or something like that, but each, there's a larger group of people that have a chance to contribute to that rather than, um, pushing information from one to another. It may be pushing information back the other way, collecting feedback, collaborating, and that sort of thing. I
1: think that that's a really effective meeting where you have that, you know, solving a problem as a group, But I think often in companies, you have meetings more to say, okay, these are the decisions that we've made. Do you have any questions? Mm. That's not training.
0: Well, I would also then say that sort of what differentiates training is there's some sort of review or evaluation to confirm or some sort of more structured format that here's what we want to accomplish. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we check whether we've accomplished it or not. Um, Or even here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're doing. And then, you know, tell them what you're going to do, tell them, tell them what you told them, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, you don't have that, that step, that three step process in a meeting, but you do generally in a good meeting, you should have an agenda and you should yeah. have some sort of time. So they're very similar. Well. Like you do have to realize that both types of group activity are group activities. So there are going to be similarities and your organization and how the thing runs is going to be good or bad. you can have training that's chaotic and unstructured and not very good. And you can have meetings that are chaotic and unstructured and, you know, don't get to the point and that kind of thing. So, but a meeting is really not about changing behavior. It's really just either Disseminating information or asking for feedback on information that is, or asking for ideas about information that is changing. Generally, it's about information that's changing. So, or new information. My question
0: then around that is does it matter what the company calls it?
1: I think so, because if you don't define what you're trying to accomplish, if you don't define your objectives, so you have this you have 30 drivers you're going to bring them in are you bringing them in for training you're bringing them in for a meeting I mean really your outcomes are going to be different will their behavior change afterwards or do they just you know have a greater knowledge of what's going on in the company now we had a meeting a little while ago and because we're a virtual company we have meetings all the time we have them over the phone and over Skype and that kind of thing but we had a meeting in person which was unusual for us at Carrier's Edge because we don't see each other very often. You and I do, but the rest of our staff doesn't. So we actually had that meeting not to change their behavior, but for them to see each other, to get, you know, have that physical, you know, being in a room together and to talk about what our company is doing, and about our goals and that kind of thing, and ask for feedback.
0: And have a shared experience. yeah,
1: that's not training.
0: Well, the other side of it that I think is important for people to distinguish, and when I was writing my article about meetings versus training and things like that, one of the things that I pointed out is that if you're sort of doing one thing, um so if you're doing something that you're calling regular meetings, and really it's kind of a half hearted approach to training one of the problems there is that you often can fall into a trap of thinking that you're doing a lot of this thing that you're really doing almost nothing with. So there's, some of mean? these people would say, Oh, we do lots of training. You know, we've got lots of meetings. We're doing lots of training and stuff like that. But the reality is no, they're doing an email blast once a month. Well, okay. You're not really doing that much. So you can end up sort of fooling yourself into thinking that you're doing a lot more than you are. And that can be dangerous as well.
1: I when think you, that's a good reason why you want to be able to determine what each of those things are. So do you want to do an email blast or do you want to just blast information to people? That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But recognize that all you're doing is it's just like sending things in the pay, pay stubs. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really interacting with them. They don't have any ability to interact with you in that particular time period. And then so... Training, it's really about um, giving them new information that's going to change something, and a meeting is giving them information for a different goal. Maybe you do your meeting and training at the same time, but recognize that you're doing that. It's fine to do all three of those things, but if you're not setting particular goals and outcomes for each of those things, then you're probably blurring the lines and making it very sloppy, and it is... Harder for drivers and other, like just people in general to really get a sense of belonging, of, of comfort. Like, you know, you have that solid, you feel like you're grounded when you know what's going on and when you're not quite sure what's going on. Things are all wussy, you know, like kind of not when they're not very straightforward. Jane
0: is doing a really weird dance here to <laughs> I know, articulate it, what she's talking are, about. When
1: things are weird or if you, you aren't sure what's going on, if people aren't giving you good information, like if you're not quite sure if something's training or a meeting or what you're supposed to be doing in response, mm. then it, it's, not as, it's not as pleasant. It's not it's as positive. That's an interesting point,
0: is, uh, and it may not matter so much from the company's point of view because the company may have a sense of what they want to accomplish out of it, but you also need to telegraph that to all the participants. Yeah. What are they expected? To do as part of this are they expected to just show up listen and then leave are they expected to change their behavior as a result are they expected to contribute and be part of a discussion um so yeah you want to set expectations among the participants so that everybody can get the most out of it
1: or even like give them a directive for what to do after we want your feedback fill out this form um do a survey um, you have to write a test that you, you know, you need 80% to pass you, you know, what is going to be expected of people? You know, when are things going to change? When are things going to happen? Like how, what does this mean to you? Hmm. And if you don't communicate then bad meetings generally don't communicate that you go into a meeting and people just waffle on for a while and you go, okay, well that was useless. That's why people hate meetings. It's and
0: PowerPoint. Yeah. Cause that ends up being the crutch.
1: Yeah, you just throw a whole bunch. You vomit a whole bunch of bullets onto a PowerPoint uh, presentation, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to solve all your communication problems.
0: And speaking of which, our next monthly uh, webinar ends up being the PowerPoint one, which is one of my favorites to deliver because I basically because <laughs> you
1: rail talking about people. bad PowerPoint and
0: how to do good PowerPoint. So uh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a fun one. Um, but you said something else uh, earlier, and you actually referenced it a couple of times that I want to come back to you said that training is about changing behavior. Uh, and that's interesting because, um, we know that there are some people out there in the industry that say, Oh, you know, training is about training is going to change your driver's behavior. And so if you use this training or you have this consultant come in and do training, it's going to change the behavior of the drivers. And I make the argument that no training will not change behavior. Behavior comes from motivation because people want, people will change their behavior because they're motivated to do it. Training will provide them the tools to change that behavior, the knowledge and potentially the skills, um, and give them the practical ability to do those new things, but it isn't necessarily going to change behavior on its own.
1: I totally agree with what you're saying. However, if you want to... In a, you know a very short time, explain the difference between training and a meeting. Then that's what you're <laughs> gonna get. Sorry, okay. um, but yes, it, training is you, you deliver you're delivering material. Hopefully, you're testing it mm-hmm. on that material. But you do have to address the human part of it as well. Like, you know, are people interested in changing their behavior? Is what's in it for them? It's that whole you know. Uh, oh, the change back management in the, part of it. Yeah, what's in it for me? The WTFM, which people back no. in my consult with him. with him,
0: not WTFM.
1: Yeah, it's like WTF or, or yeah. TFM. <laughs> if or... you don't do with him properly, everybody <laughs> will so be WTFing. WTF. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, interesting. But
1: yeah, so you have to do both parts, and I think you know when you're doing in-person training, classroom training. It's a natural part of it because if you're comforting, if you're entertaining, if you're you know if you have some good interaction with your class, you're probably going to have much more likelihood for change. If you are delivering content to a group of hostile um, class uh, participants, then it's less likely that you're going to uh, help them change their behavior. It, It also has to do with the with what happens if you don't change your behavior. So if you if you don't use an LEELD, you know, after everybody's supposed to, then you're probably going to get in trouble. If you don't follow cargo securement regulations, yeah, you're probably going to get in trouble. So there's a big what's in it for me uh, to actually follow what your training says. And same thing like drug and alcohol. All of that stuff, it it does help change the behavior. But yes, the participant has to want to do that. And if they don't want to do that, then you have to address that kind of separately.
0: Well, and you have to address it first because there's no point in teaching them the, the knowledge, giving them the skills and things like that if they're not motivated. Because well,
1: sometimes, sometimes training is the first part of training is that. Yeah. Like so that has
0: to be done up front yes. so that they're receptive to what yes. you're talking about. And again, whether it's online or classroom or however that training is being delivered, that part of it, the motivational part of it has to be done first. And when we say motivational part, I want to clarify, because as soon as I say that, I think of some Tony Robbins type person with the whoa claps and the everybody rah rah and that's not necessarily it. That running
1: doesn't, in with a boom box on their yeah, shoulder. Yeah, and that
0: stuff does not work over the long term for for the vast majority of the audience. It works great in the beginning, and there's people that buy it, and there's some people that just love those kind of stand-up comedian-type trainers and speakers and things like that, but it really fades quickly because it isn't solving the real problem.
1: I if, think that's an interesting point because entertainment is a big part of classroom training is how entertaining you are right and you do have to be somewhat entertaining when you are doing it because sometimes your subject matter is god awful boring it's just bleh. so you do have to have some sort of um, you know stories or other entertaining things, but what happens is I don't know if people don't they only measure. A lot of the time, people only measure training right after it's happened. So if they're entertained, they're going to be positive about it. But it's not necessarily, like you said, it's not necessarily going to last. It's not necessarily going to change behavior if the content isn't there. If you have a great delivery and great content, then and fine. you've dealt
0: with the motivation part beforehand. Yeah, like the the raw raw stuff. Uh, yeah, it makes it entertaining while you're there, um, and you know, even within the online context that's what you do in your courses. You find ways to make it enjoyable and provide a little bit of, I don't know if I'd call it entertainment value, but a little bit of enjoyment for people. But again, you've got to address that sort of motivational part. People have to be interested in learning, interested in improving and getting better and all of that. And the uh, the shtick doesn't work for that part because it is a temporary thing. It will help you sort of grease the wheels w- while you're learning it. But if you haven't addressed the, Things that are causing the discomfort or the lack of motivation in the first place—all of those things are just going to come right back after the person is done with the training. Yeah, so and it will look out of the way. And
1: what it will happen is it will make the trainer look like there or the course. Or the, if it's an online course, it would look like that material is failing when that's really not the failure point. The failure point was the preparation of people to have that change presented to them. So if you're not preparing, then don't think that it's going to work. So if you're going to introduce ELDs to all of your drivers, make sure that you've prepped the ground first, that you've told them about the change, you've warned them that it's coming, you've talked to them about the benefits, you've talked about what their life is going to look like after it comes in. And it's going to be a lot more smooth. Or have someone already there who's, who's had experience with them and saying, it's fine, you're going to like it, that kind of thing. But I just want to go back to and just talk about why we, the motivational type of training. And I really only experienced this once as a participant, not as a trainer. I could never do this kind of training, um, the Tony Robbins kind. And it was sales training, and I was not, I was supposed to be a, a technical trainer for this company and i ended up doing this was back in 2000 and i ended up going to a sales training in um different city and they literally it, there was like five of them for some reason they, there's so many trainers and it was like a it was like a show it was like totally like a show and so you're all sitting there in the audience and they literally when i guess is way before ipods and things like that but this one guy literally ran into the room with a big boom box on his shoulder with this really loud music playing they have they're mic'd. it's not that big room that they needed to be mic'd, but they were and they're all like running and clapping and like being this rah 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 and you know, being a Canadian, I wasn't really used to that. <laughs> sort of thinking, what is going on? This is sales training. Oh my God. And then there at one point uh, we had to try and uh karate chop a piece of wood. I think I did actually. Yeah. And I don't don't even remember how I did that. And um the other thing was the woe clap was basically yeah. and I can't remember how it went, but it was that I think it was like you basically went, whoa, and they all clapped. It was like that silly. And you know what? I don't remember a single thing about what I learned. in. The, I don't think I learned anything in that training session that was on for two days.
0: Two full days two of Two full sales days training. of
1: that. It was sales training, but that's what I remember. And
0: I'll point out that this was a dot-com company that crashed and burned with yes. all of the other dot-coms. Yes. So for all of that investment and effort in putting together this fancy show oh, of it was sales like, training. They didn't end up selling anything. It's the Vegas show of training. Their business model was completely broken, uh, and they really had no hope. But yet they had tons of super motivated salespeople and and they spend a bundle of money doing this in hotels. And yep. if you've ever tried to book uh the A V that's available through a hotel, the, the audio visual stuff, when you book it through the hotel, it's insanely expensive. They completely screw you on that. So doing this for five people for two full days, they would have been spending thousands and thousands every time they did this thing for a bunch of salespeople who then went out and didn't sell anything.
1: But what was hilarious is that, um, I had to do training on a customer, a CRM, uh, customer management system, which was a big deal. Cause all the whole call center and it was Toronto was full of this call, like all these call center employees. And, um, they had a new CRM and they needed to learn how to use it because it wasn't all that simple. It was kind of, it was nasty, but they really needed training. So, what hap- So, I'm the technical training manager. So, I'm doing that. But who swoops in is the sales manager, the sales training guy. He's going to go do this motivational session at the same time as I'm doing my technical stuff. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. This is completely ridiculous. They need to learn this for their jobs. Don't friggin' motivate them well. Like, we don't need a woe clap here. <laughs> so, they actually. I can't remember what happened. It sort of worked out, but I was severely unhappy. That was one of my reasons for not wanting to work for anybody uh, anymore.
0: So we've digressed somewhat, but we don't think highly of motivational uh, training. No, we're not
1: digressing. We're talking about make sure that your objectives are met with whatever group activity you're going to do.
0: Yes, have the entertainment baked into how you deliver the content take care of the behavioral or the motivational stuff beforehand, and then measure it after and not just immediately when the training is finished, measure it a month and a quarter later. Mm -hmm. But um, part of that, you were kind of alluding to it when you were talking about measurement and all of these other pieces. Uh, It reminds me of why we say that training is always only one part of the solution because you can have the most amazing training in the world But if people aren't motivated or they're not given the support or the tools or any of these other things to do the job properly, the training won't end up being very successful at all. It'll end up being a mess and a waste of time. So going back to your point that people often will use something, and particularly if it's online or something, people won't be motivated. They'll go through the training. It doesn't make any difference. And then people think, oh, it's the problem is, is the training. Uh, So that's why we talk a lot about how you've got to take care of all of these pieces and the training is just one piece of that. So
1: that doesn't mean that all training is good.
0: No, no, by all means, but even good training will fail. And this is the thing, even good training will fail if the other pieces aren't done. So it just reminded me, I had a conversation with one of our resellers this morning, uh, Shane Cutler called and and he's a a reseller, but he's a, a risk consultant. So he goes in and he helps fleets that are in trouble and he sort of cleans them up and Uh, looks at their files and uh, helps them put together programs and things like that. And part of it is a training program and he's talking about it and he's been having really good experiences and he's obviously very good at what he's doing because he's getting a lot of business. Um, and he's gone, you know, from something like three fleets six months ago to like 40 fleets now that he's working on, He keeps trying, he's hiring more staff to help out with this. And so all of the insurance companies are giving him fleets to help, uh, whip into shape. But he's talking about um, what he's seeing in terms of results. And he said that he's seen people that have um, their safety records have improved by 50%. And he said, you know, yeah, that's not all carrier's edge. That's not all just the training is doing it, but it's part of it. It's all of the other things that happen. So, yes, training uh, can certainly be part of it. And it's good that he recognizes that there's a lot more to it than just that. Training is certainly an important part of it but it's making the drivers feel like they're part of something. It's having the documentation in place, having a process, putting together a complete package for everybody. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, was good to hear that. And it's, it's nice to hear that our our partners are having success and sort of making a difference uh, in the industry. So, um, yeah, we've really digressed from talking about training versus meetings, but, um, we have covered a lot of ground. So, those are our thoughts on training versus meetings and how to do it and <laughs> how to do it right and wrong All right, moving on now we've covered all of the difficult and complicated things. We can focus on the fun stuff now.
1: which is all the parties you get to go to
0: all, all the parties singular <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have an update on uh, m c and e uh which was. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was in Las Vegas for ATA's Management Conference and Exhibition. Complicated name. I guess they don't want to call it a convention. They want to make it sound like it's a lot of work or something. Um,
1: or oh, that's bigger. Exhibition sounds better, bigger. Management
0: than- Conference sounds serious. And, yes. you know, it sounds like something that you can justify spending time and money at versus convention, which sounds like a big party.
1: Yeah. Um, well, exhibition does seems
0: yeah it was, really was was both was uh, it? there was there was serious management business to being taken care of uh and then there was a lot of screwing around as well <laughs> <laughs> so the high point uh for us was the uh the techni- tech
1: techni- technical innovators, innovators
0: technology innovators after party it was such a high point I can't remember the name of it uh but it was a party that happened in the ice bar, so that was my first experience in an ice bar which I realized after being in there is just a giant fridge. It's like a walk-in freezer. Um, but instead of being filled with food, uh, they've taken ice sculptures and things like that. So they've created tables and benches and things entirely out of ice. Now that's cool. I also realized that not all of it is ice. Some of it is like um, clear plastic and they put ice really? on top of it. Yeah. I think there are some things where well, they've got like a I guess you need frame.
1: molds. Yeah. They do have
0: some molded stuff and you can't have it like getting chipped and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but. The tabletops uh, were ice um, and all the glasses were ice. Sort of all the cups were like, you know, like were a, they just, a highball cup. It was just very ice? Thick. Yeah, but it's all made out of ice. So it's very thick um, cup or uh, I don't want to call it a glass. goblet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it kind of looked like a highball glass, um, but it was all made out of ice. And that part was really cool. Was it, so, was
1: it um, opaque or was it transparent?
0: It was clear. Um, but it was like it was real ice. In fact, they give you gloves when you go in there because so you can't you can touch hold anything. On to it. Yeah. Well if you touch the cup with your bare hands, you stick. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh you as many uh as most northern people know. Yeah. Don't, you don't put your tongue on you the frozen pool. <laughs> um so they have that. And it's the same thing with the uh um same thing with the, the tabletops and all of that. You know, they tell you only put your glass, uh only put your drink on the coaster. They have like everything is clear and it's uh Um, it looks like it's glass and and that sort of thing because of the ice, but they have these blue coasters that are very obvious and that's the only place where you can put your drink because otherwise it'll stick and you'll never lift it up again. So
1: did you, did you try that?
0: Uh, I didn't try putting it there. No. Uh, and I didn't try drinking, um, you know, or touching it with my hand or anything like that. So it's Thomas, uh, no, Tommy was good as well. Um, but you, you can drink out of it fine. It's kind of weird because you can drink out of it. Okay just not the dry skin. So your lips and your tongue are fine to, to drink out of it. Um, but it was a, an interesting, uh, interesting experience. They give you a coat when you go in there. And so most people go in and sort of chill out.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> you can't, you can't avoid puns around this place. <laughs> it's a cool experience, man We come into here and just chill out for a while. Uh, so I'm going to try and not to make any puns anymore about it. But uh, yeah, people go in, hang out, have a drink, or two, um, and then, uh, get their picture taken on, you know, sitting on the bench where they've got furs and stuff. There is an iron throne in there. They have the Las Vegas sign made out of ice. So all that was very, uh, uh very neat to see. And, uh, then typically they leave. So I kind of, you know, you would go into the bar for a bit and then you come out, uh, ditch your coat and gloves, and then you just hang out in the regular part of the bar, which is just, a just a regular bar. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good experience. I did kind of feel bad for the staff because there's bartenders working in there all night, you know, that's their whole shift. And they have in
1: f- the freezer,
0: in the, yeah in the freezer. And they have uh, a photographer who's coming around taking pictures. And we got a link to uh, all the photographs that were taken there for the evening. Um, but the, uh, you know, this being Las Vegas, of course the photographer is a woman wearing shorts Um <laughs> <laughs> and like a uh, tank top, halter top kind of thing.
1: In the uh, in the ice. She has a
0: coat. Well, she has. Um, she had boots and like tall, thick socks, and she had a coat on when she was in there, uh, like a kind of like a bomber jacket. And then mm-hmm. she'd take it off when she goes out. And so we're like, man, this must suck for you working in here. You must be freezing. And she's like, no, nah, I'm used to it now. Which I could kind of see because it was a freezer, and it's called minus five, and I think it it was not minus five Fahrenheit. That's for sure. It was probably minus five Celsius. Um, so for those of us that are from the North, it was kind of like a February morning. Um, you know, it's, it not super cold and a lot of people were kind of taking their coats off. You get 20 people in there, 20, 30 people in there. It's not super cold anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so you, you know, if you got a suit on and then they give you this parka, well, you're going to be hot. So you take that thing off and there's people that are in there without it. And I can see that if you're in there working, you're not going to notice the cold for sure. But it was a fun experience because they had all of, uh, all of the uh, sponsor logos were carved in the ice as well.
1: Oh, that's cool. So
0: uh, yeah, I think there was nine of us uh, that were uh, sponsors of this uh, launch at PR puts it on, so all of their PR customers uh, sponsored this thing, and we all have our our logos were carved out of the ice, and um, then we had you know ads running through the whole night and things like that. Uh, so it was a it was a good experience, and it was a bit of a trade show initiation for uh, Tommy, our support guy uh, who was in much pain the next day. <laughs> uh, uh, so he learned, he learned the hard way how to do trade shows. Yes. There's um, always that, that, you
1: but the know. rest of the
0: show was really good. The speakers were fantastic. Uh, I got the final list of attendees. looks like they had about 22 or 2300 people there. Um, about 900, uh, were just exhibit people. So like vendors and things like that. So um, you know, when you take away all of the dirty vendors, there's uh, a lot less, but, uh, it was still a good show, a successful conference. Um, and, uh, made it back from that. And just as I'm sort of getting caught up after that, now I'm heading out again because ATA's safety and security, uh, conference, sorry, safety, security, and human resources conference and exhibition. They're trying to set a record for longest event name. Yes. I think. Um, is happening next week in, uh, Oklahoma city. And, uh, so I'm taking, I'm heading down for that. That's much smaller event. There's about 140 or 150 people, uh, for that one, when you don't count the, uh, exhibitors and things, but even the exhibitors, there's like 40 or 50 exhibitors. So it's a much smaller show. Uh, but it should be interesting as well. And, uh, um, I'm looking forward to that. I've never been to, oh, I have been through Oklahoma city. Yes. We went through Oklahoma city when we did our giant RV trip few years ago although we didn't really stay there for very long we kind of passed through I think yeah. we stopped for lunch at Cracker Barrel and that was about was that it. a
1: Cracker Barrel one yeah
0: um that's I a, love I, Cracker Barrel yeah and I remember those oh. cities by the restaurants we I stopped know. at
1: I think that was the first time that we had the f- we went to five uh the Fries place what was that
0: oh Five Guys Five Guys that was St. Louis was it yeah
1: what's the full name of that restaurant
0: it's like Five Guys burgers and fries. Oh, or five like Guys that.
1: burgers and fries. That's what yeah. it was.
0: Which we went to because the the owners, the Five Guys, are all named Murrell, um, or probably Merle is how mo- most uh, Americans pronounce that. So at some point, uh, I must be related to them, <laughs> although I've gone back a few generations and can't see it. But uh, um, yeah, so we went and stopped there. But uh, I liked Oklahoma City. Uh, for the two hours that I was there, so well,
1: you will get to know and yeah. uh, in more well, get to know some conference, yeah, the conference area of a hotel.
0: Well, not just that, but see, um, the thing that I'm discovering about shows the way we do shows, we have a sort of a booth that we take down there with us. Lots of people do this, they have sort of a pop up booth to take with you, and then you have a TV that you're gonna run your demos and things on. Well, it's a pain in the butt flying with a TV in a package, so um and you don't want to rent one from the show providers because they charge you a stupid amount of money. So what p- most people do is they just go to Walmart and buy a TV when they get there. And, uh, the more enterprising salespeople will use it at the show for three days and then return it and get their money back after. Th- but not after three you. Days. I can't do it. I, I can't bring myself to be that guy who uh, goes back there and says, no, I don't want this anymore. I don't like this TV. You know, I've got my use out of it and they're not that expensive. So I just give them away. Uh, it's still cheaper than some uh,
1: deserving. Uh...
0: Yeah. It's still cheaper than renting it and it's less hassle. So, I mean, it's a bit of a hassle getting it. Cause uh, I think I get in at ten thirty on a Sunday night and then sort of Monday, I'm going to have to get a cab out to Walmart to buy a TV um, and then come back. But uh, it's worth it. Um, and then, I always make a new friend because there's somebody who will take it off my hand (laughs) who, you know, who's like, really? You're getting rid of that TV? You're
1: you're listening to this uh, podcast and you happen to be at the Safety and Security Show. Go and ask Mark for the TV.
0: Yeah, you can have a free TV. You can have the TV. Uh, It's going to be probably a 32-inch LED high-def TV. It's
1: not going to be a great TV. (laughs) It's
0: not going to be the high-end uh, but it'll be fine yeah. with an extra TV. So there now, that you being go. said, by the time I get around to mastering and putting out this podcast, I'm probably going to be back
1: from the show. You probably show. have already given it away. Yes.
0: So there you go. Um, but you, another thing
1: about these shows is that we've started sending out, uh, invitations.
0: Yes. We got a fancy, uh, uh postcard Very coming fancy. out in advance of this one. Highlighting Jane's, uh, lovely vehicle inspection courses and talking about the, uh, the most important parts of the inspection, the brake lights and tires or BLT. So, uh, yeah, we were sending out uh, postcards with BLTs, pictures of BLTs on an them. An
1: actual BLT. Yes,
0: an actual BLT sandwich. Which
1: I'm kind of surprised that nobody has thought of that because BLT is not an uncommon no. way of referring to inspection items that you have to, you have to remember. So, you know... There's a sandwich, but anyway, the the invitation has like the full sandwich on the, on the front of the card. So it's pretty d- distinctive. Should probably, uh, put it on our website at some point.
0: Well, or some of these Twitter, put it on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn and stuff like that. Yeah. Um,
1: and but, the, and, uh, hopefully we will have some props to go along with that.
0: Well, this is the, the challenge is we want to follow through on that theme. So I was thinking of I mean, we're not going to be handing out sandwiches at the,
1: uh, no. at the show,
0: but we were thinking, is there chips or popcorn or something like that? So it turns out there is actually BLT-flavored chips. Uh, Lay's has classic BLT-flavored potato chips. So I thought, oh, that'll be perfect. I'll give those away. Except that um, they're available. Walmart has them, but every Walmart in the Oklahoma City area is sold out of that product right now. So... And it also occurred to me that BLT-flavored potato chip might taste disgusting. It may be a really I think awful... it's going to
1: be pretty close to just bacon-flavored.
0: Yeah. Uh, probably it's going to be just sort of bacon yeah. with a hint of tomato but or something. But there's po-
1: bacon-flavored bacon popcorn.
0: Yeah, I think I'll end up getting... Just like, getting just some kind of bacon. Bacon chips yeah. or something and hand out those. Yeah. So if you were at the... Uh, Safety and Security Conference, um, and you're listening to you're hankering for
1: some uh, you may, chips.
0: You may be the proud owner of a, a new TV and a bunch of chips <laughs> <laughs> and several bags of chips. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I don't want any of those chips. Those are not my, <laughs> I'm an all-dressed girl. Yes. Although if you're in the States, you probably have never heard of all-dressed.
0: Oh, all-dressed are fantastic, oh, yes.
1: they are the best.
0: Salt and vinegar, barbecue, sour cream and onion, all together, and it actually works.
1: It does. And it kind of doesn't taste like anything. It or it doesn't taste like any of the particular ingredients, although sometimes you get sort of a sense of it. It's
0: kind of a like a barbecued sour cream and vinegar is what it ends up
1: Kind as. of. Yeah, but I love those. Those are my favorite.
0: So, those we uh we'll see how those uh uh how those play out and uh, I'm looking forward to this show because I've never been to this AATA safety conference before. Uh they've cool. got some interesting um uh, people booked to speak. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I think that's sort of mostly it in terms of upcoming events. Um, I mentioned the uh, webinars, uh, our monthly webinar, which is my uh, my favorite one, ranting about the awfulness of PowerPoint yes. and how to not suck at PowerPoint, <laughs> which is what I wanted to call the webinar originally. But How
1: to not suck at PowerPoint? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a good name.
0: Yep. Uh, so moving back into other things that we are working on, on the last podcast, we talked a little bit about the reg- recent changes to the dangerous goods regulations in it's Canada. It's not that
1: recent. I um,
0: mean... And the the fun that you're having uh, or that you were thinking you were going to have around updating the content, and you've basically spent the last three or four weeks diving into that and trying to uh, turn it into what it needs to be in the course. So what's happening with that?
1: Um, it's, well... <laughs> I think uh part of the problem was that we need to get it translated into French too. So I need to go through the course and figure out what needs to be translated because I don't want to get things translated twice. So that's kinda like I've finished the changes, which are pretty straightforward, except there's a lot of reporting. There's way more reporting decisions that the driver has to make that are a lot more complex. So what we're gonna do is make the um in the past, we have had the Transportation of Dangerous Goods course just all in one, and that's the only way that you can do it. But we're going to separate out Topic 8, the which is the reporting procedures, as a mini course because uh, people are going to need to be updated on it. I mean, it's when this stuff goes into goes into force, like when it's uh, the old regulations, you can't use the old regulations anymore. People are going to need to know it. And because there's different there's like four different reports that a driver could do depending on what's happened and you know they need to know it's like a big decision tree basically so it, it's a lot longer than it used to be just because there's way more reports that all include different things and there's all different uh, different people that you have to call you can't just call Cannytech necessarily you have to you have to depending on what you're hauling um and I also have to do it in French. So I'm trying to figure out what has to be translated.
0: But the issue around the course content is that we're making updates to the full length course, which is sort of all of the content people are required to uh, learn to get their certification for this. But at the same time, most of these changes really only apply to one particular section. So you don't want to force people to redo an entire course right. for that. So we got to break that out. So people who are doing the course now can just go through that section and learn what's different and be ready for when that change happens. Uh, and that's always a challenge around course development as well is, you know, do you make a course that is just, are you just going to update your existing course to reflect the new content? In which case everyone has to go through it again and try and figure out what changed, or do you do a new course that just talks about the change? And generally, you kind of want both of those you want to have a course that talks about what changed so the people who are familiar with the old stuff can understand the difference the challenge with that is that those things end up having a pretty small shelf life because you only need it for a fairly short period after the reg change goes into effect so for instance in 2013 when the hours of service regs changed in the u.s there was a we put together a course that was a fairly short one it was maybe a 15 minute course about the stuff that had changed then And it really was for people who understood the old stuff, here's what's changed so you're ready for the new. Now, subsequently, like two of the three major changes have been rolled back anyway, so there's very little left in that. But even if those things were still in effect, at this point, that little tiny course doesn't really serve much of a purpose because anybody who's going through training now or who went through training in the past couple of years would have been getting all of the newer stuff anyway. So it's always a trick and always a balancing act, whether it's a big enough change that it warrants doing a short course just to talk about that, uh, or is it something where you can just make changes to the existing regular full course and, and leave it at that. So sometimes uh, sometimes we'll do one, sometimes we'll do the other. For the dangerous good stuff, uh, it looks like it is substantial enough that we need to do a small course around it yeah. just to cover those changes um, and update the the full length one as well. So. Um, I wish these people would stop making these little changes all the time <laughs> because that's a that's a headache, you know. Um, Canadian dangerous goods, U.S. hours of service, and CSA are like the three things that people cannot stop messing with. Please yes. just pick something and stick with it. I mean, we're not the ones that actually have to work under these regulations, so I can appreciate that there's value in people lobbying for changes and stuff. But uh, being completely selfish, pick something and just stick with it.
1: Or- do what software development does which is have versions so you know csa 2010 was the original title so have a csa 2012 with all your changes or WIMIS. yeah don't Um, be doing
0: it in bits and pieces
1: yeah so hcs or WIMIS in canada um they have a there's different versions based on the year which is actually makes it a lot easier for people who have to do the training because You have it in clumps. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do these little tiny updates all the time where like the last update was really to just one, like one page or two pages. Well, it's
0: easier from a a business standpoint, it's also easier to understand and plan training around it. Mm -hmm. Because if it's something that there's going to be a 2015 update than a 2016, then you're not constantly trying to figure out who needs what training. You know, okay, you're going to train your people in 2015 on this. Then you could train them for 2016 for the next thing. And then as it comes, you can each you can do that training for all your people and be up to date. Uh if it's just these sort of ongoing drips of updates, it just it's insane. Yeah.
1: And that's what I think that's what I don't like about how they're doing it with uh transportation of dangerous goods. It's just dripping. So you're just constantly you have to be constantly aware of are there changes? Are there changes? And you know, the, every time that they send email updates, you're like, "Does this apply? Does this apply?" So it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. I just find it. Well, annoying. it's got to be a
0: nightmare for safety people that are trying to stay on top yeah, of it. Yeah. Well, not and only that, people and all but all look that at thing. the
1: enforcement. Like yeah, enforcement well, is going to have to. And they're
0: always it. the last ones to really get clear on it. So you're going to have all kinds of bad tickets written and things like that, or misinformation out in the field because people can't keep up with the changes.
1: And and there's also the the, you have the change and then you have the interpretations of the change. Yeah. So there's going to be corrections or clarifications that come after. And then so but you have to manage all of this information and make sure that it's up to date and correct and that all your all of your um, test questions are also up to date and correct. And it just goes on and on. So mm-hmm. and the lucky thing is, is that I hope that TDG actually stops getting updated because. Um, I'm I'm good with it now.
0: <laughs> well, we want to move that's on to not, something else. You know, we want to do some new stuff.
1: Yeah, it's hard to move on to new stuff when you're just constantly reworking the old stuff. Yeah. It's, um, but anyway, that's what TG just so said. Right now, I'm trying to figure out... Oh, and the other thing with French that is always so much fun is that there's never one word that really matches the English word. There's like four Variations. or five. So if I get... And because we just translated um, a different course, and I have noticed that different translators will use different words, or be more flowery, or more descriptive, or whatever. And there are certain styles that different translators have, and uh, it 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 can really differ. Like we had a page title that we had translated; it was a dangerous goods thing, and we had a Page title that was translated, but it wasn't translated the same way that the regulations had it translated, so it was kind of confusing or incorrect, and it, that kind of thing kind of can really um, bog you down when you're trying to update courses and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm nearly done with my translation. I think I would imagine that I can get these uh, out in the next two or three weeks, so hopefully by the end of November, mm. it will be out. Mini course and full. Okay. And that's just scheduling my voiceover.
0: Yeah. So we've got a lots of other new things coming in addition to that as well. We're continuing to uh, um, work towards uh, completion with the French vehicle inspection, uh, Punjabi hours of service and Spanish hours of service as well. So those are all uh, continuing uh, their builds uh, internally. And uh, I would think that, maybe not all of those, but the bulk of those will be out before Christmas.
1: Yeah. And wellness, uh, U.S. wellness. So there's gonna oh, be be going to be illness shortly. and injury. Yeah. Illness and injury and diet and exercise, I believe are done.
0: Oh, okay. So I they just, just, need, to, a, well, they just they need, need a, a QA. A QA and then so they yeah, next live.
1: week, I think for those.
0: So by the time this podcast is out, they mm-hmm. should be live too. All yeah. right.
1: Yeah. I just got noticed, uh, from, from Kevin about that. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that can uh, wrap it up for today. Uh, We have uh, uh, got lots more stuff coming up, and uh, we'll talk about some uh, of those newer things in the next podcast. Once again, thanks, everybody, for participating, and have a great day.